Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to an all new season of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. This season, we're diving into some of the most unusual missing person cases from the shocking disappearance of Charlie Ross to the American Diatlov Pass disappearances. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today, we're diving into the unsolved disappearance of the Sauter children. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Hunt a Killer. Hunt the Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episodes or boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items, such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve the ongoing mystery, and in the final episode, you'll catch the killer. The link to Hunt the Killer will be in the description. And don't forget to use the code TCNS for 20% off your first box. And now we dive into the mystery of what happened to the Sauter children. It was a normal Christmas Eve in 1945 for the Sauter family of Fayetteville, West Virginia. Except for the eldest son being away in the Army, all nine of his siblings were enjoying the holidays. When it was time for the children to go to bed, five of the children... Maurice, age 14, Martha, age 12, Louis, age 10, Jenny, age 8, and Betty, age 6, asked for permission to stay up later. Jenny told them they could stay up a little while longer, but they had to remember to take care of the farm animals, turn out the lights, close the curtains, and lock the front door before going to bed. I was lucky I wasn't told to do that. Of course, my house never had those farm animals. George and Jenny, four of their other children, then went to bed, with the eldest daughter falling asleep on the couch. Later, in the early hours of the 25th, the phone rang. Jenny left the first floor bedroom she shared with George and the baby and went into the hall to answer it. A woman on the other end of the line, and it sounded like there were several other people talking in the background. The woman asked Jenny for someone Jenny didn't know. Jenny told the woman that she had the wrong number. The woman laughed strangely and quickly hung up. Jenny may have puzzled momentarily about this strange call in the middle of the night, but her focus quickly shifted to the fact that the house was quiet, but all the lights were still on. The drapes were open, and the front door was unlocked. Jenny just presumed that the five children who had stayed up late had forgotten. She closed up the house and returned to bed. 
That's just a setup for something bad happening. Back in bed, Jenny was drifting back into sleep when she heard what sounded like an object landing on the roof and then rolling down along the side of the house. And then she smelled smoke. It was approximately 1.30 a.m. on Christmas Day. Not the way you want to celebrate Christmas. She shook George awake and ran to the door of the bedroom. The hallway was filled with smoke and flames covered the stairway, leading up to the children's bedrooms. George and Jenny shouted up the stairs for everyone to get in the house quickly. Once out front, a headcount showed that the five children who had stayed up late were not outside with the rest of the family. The flames grew quickly and blocked George from going back into the house. I'm sure he must have tried. Come on, man. He is their father. Thinking the only way to get the five children out would be to get them out through a top floor window. He raced around to the side of the house where our ladder always stood. The ladder was gone. I knew it. The phone call, the ladder. I knew it. There was something cooking. Panicking, George then thought if he could move one of his trucks next to the side of the house, he could stand on the top and help the five children out the window. He ran to the first one truck and then to the other, only to find they wouldn't start, although they had been working perfectly the previous day. Wait a minute, really? Both of the trucks didn't work? All George and Jenny and the four children who had managed to flee the house could do was to watch the fire ravage the house. The fire was brutal and reduced the house to ashes in less than an hour. Nothing was left but charred timbers, rubble, and the basement. Allegedly because the fire chief could not drive the fire truck, and because it was a holiday, it wasn't until 8 a.m., hours after the fire had burnt itself out, that the fire truck appeared. That is bad. Very bad. Just because of a holiday, the fire trucks were absent? Oh man, can you guys believe it? Local police followed the firemen to the scene and did a cursory investigation. The coroner was consulted, and it was determined that the five children had undoubtedly perished in the fire, and that the fire had been caused by faulty wiring. No, it's not. I bet it is not. Here's the story, guys. Behind this, I'll brief it at the end of the session. While this might have been one of the most difficult situations for a family, I can't even think of it. But George and Jenny were not satisfied with that explanation. They wanted an in-depth investigation to thoroughly explain how, among other things, faulty wiring could have caused a fire when several lights were working perfectly during the actual fire. They suspected that there was something more to be discovered, and they demanded answers. Indeed, there is. I strongly believe that there is someone behind this. After all, it's not a silly wiring went wrong and caused the fire. And the answers that started trickling in support Trickling in supported George and Jenny's suspicions. First and foremost, there were no human remains found anywhere in the rubble, and nobody had noticed the distinct smell of burning flesh during the fire or afterwards. Sifting through all the ashes produced no skeletons. Jenny would later find out from a local crematorium that it took at least two hours at a temperature much higher than that of a house fire for a skeleton to disintegrate the fire at the solder home burned for less than an hour. There should have been five skeletons amongst the ashes. Indeed, there should have been at least a bone 
No, I wouldn't agree. I strongly disagree with this. This is not making sense. If the kids would have been there, then at least there has to be something. It just didn't make sense. George and Jenny began collecting bits of strange evidence that pointed away from the explanation the authorities had given them. They came across a bus driver who stated that he had seen what he described as fireballs being thrown onto the roof of the house. Could this have been the noise Jenny heard? A woman somewhat familiar with the family stated to have clearly seen the five children go by in a strange car while the fire was blazing. Wait a minute, what was that? So she smelled them? Then why couldn't the police follow up with her? At a diner 50 miles west of Fayetteville, a waitress would later say that she had served breakfast to the five children on Christmas morning, but she couldn't recall how many adults were with them. I really doubt this. Was this actually a kidnap or a vacation? As word spread and photographs of the children were shown in the vicinity, a woman said that she saw four of the children. Hey, there were five children, right? Where's the fifth one? Ah, oh, this is getting confusing. In the company of four adults at a hotel in South Carolina. These glimpses gave George and Jenny hope and caused them to pursue their own investigations and forensic experiments. Jenny burned chicken bones in an oven to see if they could completely be destroyed by the fire in 45 minutes. The bones remained intact. George heard of another house that had burned to the ground that clearly featured complete skeletons amongst the debris. Armed with these facts, George and Jenny went back to the police and demanded to have the fire further investigated. I appreciate that. They should definitely reopen the case. But the police refused claiming that the coroner's inquiry determined that no one, that no crime had been committed. So George and Jenny continued alone in trying to find answers. George would repeatedly dig through the ruins looking for some kind of clue, and eventually there appeared to be the first trace of evidence. A few bones and what seemed to be some kind of inner organ. Tests showed that the organ was a cow's liver, and that the bones came from a person older than any of the five children. And the bones showed no sign of damage by or exposure to fire. George and Jenny would not quit. They erected a billboard near the site of their former home, which featured photos of the five children and announced a $10,000 reward for the safe return of their children, who they now thoroughly believed to be alive and taken from their house while the fire was deliberately set to cover the tracks of an abduction. So what do you guys think is happening? If I was there at that time, I would definitely find those kids. Come on, $10,000 is huge. Just think about that. Think of that. But why was not anyone coming forward? Time passed and George and Jenny and their surviving children continued their search. Then, in 1968, 23 years after the fire, Jenny got an envelope in the mail. It had been mailed from a city in Kentucky. There was no return address, just a postmark. Inside was the photograph of a young child, or a young man. On the way back was written, Louis Sauter, I love Brother Frankie. Little boys. Oh, my God. 
That is strange. Authorities thought it was some kind of cruel hoax, but George and Jenny thought the photograph looked exactly how Lewis would have looked as an adult. There were multiple similarities. Once again hopeful, they hired a private investigator to go to the city in Kentucky to track down the photo sender and or the young man himself. The investigator left West Virginia with his fee and was never heard from again. The 1968 photo was the last possible evidence that ever came to light. George would die in 1969 and Jenny would die 20 years later. They never believed that their five beloved children died in that fire. It's hard to begin sorting out the many mysteries contained in this story. I'm still left with a lot of questions in my mind. Who was the woman on the phone? Was she connected to the fire in some way? I don't believe it was a wrong dial. Who moved the ladder? Who threw the fireballs at the solder's home that night? Whose bones were found at the site years after the fire? How did those bones get there? There's a lot more questions and answers. And of course, who sent the photo in 1968? And who is the young man in the photo? And where did the private investigator disappear to? Who put the cows liver at the site and why? One of the most puzzling questions is how the actual alleged abduction took place. How did the kidnappers get five children out of the house, considering that the eldest sister was asleep on the sofa in the living room and the parents were asleep in a bedroom less than 20 feet away? Oh my god, this is more complicated than my high school math problem. Surely at least one of the children would have made some noise had a stranger come into the house and taken them away. There is at least one scenario that may have happened that would solve this specific puzzle. One of the chores the two boys were told to do was to attend to the family's handful of farm animals. It is possible that all five of the children left the house to perform this chore. The three girls went along to watch and were taken once they were outside and away from the house. The whole story is still studied by amateur sleuths trying to get to the bottom of this puzzling disappearance. There are even sites on the internet devoted to this mysterious tale. Although as time goes by, the chances of finding a definite conclusion grows more remote with each passing year. With that being said, let's take a look at what private detectives have told us about the face behind this. Speculation suggests that kids were abducted by an illegal child selling agency with help from the local police. Two months before the fire, the Slaughters had an argument with another Fayetteville resident who tried to sell them life insurance. He warned that their house would burn and the children would vanish. He was also a member of the coroner's jury, which ruled the fire accidental. Now I know why this case wasn't solved. No one even bothered to follow up anything. Anyone? How could something work when each when each authority turns their back? Other amateur sleuths point out that Mr. Sauter owned a coal truck business. The coal industry was under constant pressure from the mafia, which may have been involved in the child's disappearance. A few weeks after the fire, the Sauters began recalling strange instances prior. There was a stranger who appeared at the home a few months later, back in the fall, asking about Hollingworth. After turning him down, he pointed out to two separate fuse boxes and said, this is going to cause a fire someday. 
since he had just had the wiring checked by the local power company, which pronounced it in fine condition. George thought little of it, aside from it being odd at the time. Around the same time, another man tried to sell a family life insurance and became irate when George declined, saying, Your goddamn house is going up in smoke, he warned, and your children are going to be destroyed. I believe they are out there. I mean, definitely, they're not dead. Come on. Do you really think they burned ashes from a well-cooked short-circuit story? So this is definitely one of the most intriguing true crime stories I've looked into. So what do you think happened to these people? Let us know. Uh, send us a tweet at TrueCrimeNS or leave a comment in the description below. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button. And we'd also like to thank our sponsor, Poddex. Use the promo code CINEMAGOLD, or TCNS, to save 10% off your order, or CINEMAGOLD, whichever one you want to use, at Poddex.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash true crime never sleeps slash message. Tune in next week for an all new episode. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.